This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. FSG investment, Arsenal assignment and Bobby is back. Plus, after three weeks away, our team selector and match predictions return ahead of the visit to the Emirates. Here to look ahead to the return to action, we have Ian Doyle and David Lynch. Doyle, I'll come straight to you after... uh, uh, a couple of weeks off for yourself, and it seems to have been a, a busy last week of the international break. We've had the, the rumours around Ibrahima Kanate, the Salah speculation, and finally the uh, the investment into FSG. I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you the answer you don't want, which is I've been off for two weeks. I've not been paying any attention whatsoever to anything <laughs> oh, that's rubbish. been going on. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> Do, uh, what, doing an ostrich impression, burying your head in the sand. <laughs> Uh, we wouldn't go that far, but it, it wasn't far off, to be honest. Yeah, I managed to nearly get sunburns on Monday, so that was good going. But uh, now I, I would imagine for now, you're probably best asking Lynchy to fill in all the blanks in there because I genuinely haven't really been paying much attention. No, all right. Well, we, we are going to sort of uh, st- start with talking about the, the investment in FSG. And uh, Lynchy, then I will come to you first up on it. And it seems to be sort of ahead of the summer transfer window and everything around that to be very encouraging times for Liverpool. Yeah, it does. I think obviously Liverpool were sort of keen, weren't they, to play down any suggestion that, you know, this would have a massive effect on the, the transfer fees they could pay out or, you know, any funds that Jürgen Klopp would be given over the summer. And I think that's probably sensible to manage expectations because you immediately start hearing names like Erling Haaland sort of bandied about and, and killing Mbappe. And, and I, I don't think Liverpool are suddenly up alongside Manchester City in terms of how much money they've got to spend this summer because of this. But, um, you know, the message was sent pretty clearly, I thought, in the FSG statement that was attached to them announcing the, the deal going through, um, saying that basically this will, you know, allow us to continue as business as usual. So it, it plugs any sort of gaps that coronavirus has caused in the in the bottom line, I suppose. And then, you know, Jürgen Klopp really echoed those sentiments today, didn't he? In his press conference, very, very much said it, it basically allows us to continue as normal, which is, which is a positive thing. So, you know, the manager seems to be on board with that, and and I think continuing as normal for Liverpool is a good thing to to be able to do that after the pandemic, which we don't know yet just how much that has hit them financially because of the, the delay in the publication of the accounts. It obviously usually would be out in February, um, so we don't we don't know how much that's going to hit them, but. The fact that this can plug the gap and, and allow them to continue as normal is positive because normal for Liverpool is usually, you know, being very savvy in the transfer market, but getting the right players in and, and, and challenging for trophies under Jurgen Klopp. That's what we've seen. So, I think continuing as normal and business as usual. All these phrases that that's good news for Liverpool fans, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's been a story that our business of football writer Dave Bow's been covering for a little while as well, Doyle. Five hundred and. Thirty-eight million pounds worth of investment. Jurgen Klopp in his press conference, I think, used the phrase, the phrase "it gives us some consistency." So, I suppose, echoing there what what Dave says, even whether or not sort of looking ahead to the transfer window, Liverpool sort of know what they've got to play with now. Well, yeah, I think I think from what from what Jurgen Klopp said, you can. It, it is kind of a reassurance, isn't it? It's that the fact that Liverpool can just, as he said, can just carry on the way that they have been going in terms of the transfer window. Anybody, as Lynchy said, they expect they're going to sign Haaland. Well, when have they ever looked like they're ever going to do that anyway? So that's, I thought he that's was going to be good. joining us today on the Blood Red podcast. Isn't you know, Raiola <laughs> taking him around? Everywhere? I thought he was. He uh, might know no. a bit more about what's going on than Doily, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, to be fair, that's not too hard. Just asking about the two <laughs> weeks before that, that would be, be yeah, I'd, I'd know what's going on then. 
You haven't played any games recently, have they? When was the last game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to the investment, yeah. Um, well, that's something that's been kind of been knocking around for a while, hasn't it? I mean, there has been a suggestion that FSG were looking to get some fresh fresh investment into into the company as a whole rather than just the, the Liverpool as the club. So it's 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 clever from them, but it's something that you look at. I think I'm pretty sure Tottenham have took Sock out a massive loan, didn't they? I think was it Arsenal did as well. I think there's there's a few other clubs that have done it simply to safeguard from the uncertainty that you know the pandemic has 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 prompted. Because you know, let's face it, it's still not over. I mean, there's, there's no guarantee that that we, I know we've got this, and certainly in in the United Kingdom we've got this you know pathway towards everything getting back open. But there's still no guarantee that's going to actually happen, and that it's actually going to last for for that long. So. There's still uncertainty, but with with this move, which I did read a little bit about, to be honest, um, it's uh, <laughs> the they are cover, not so much covering themselves, but they're giving themselves that security outlet that means that they can actually continue on all the interest, just carry on the way that they have been doing it, rather than having to make decisions that's going to see. You know, let's say, for example, for Liverpool, that might see well, we're going to have to you know, knock the Anfield Road. You know, end expansion on the head, which is something they clearly don't want to do. Something that they see as a long term, you know, as they've proven that they are very much invested in the club in terms of infrastructure, and that's another the next big thing that they've got planned. And as from what Jurgen Klopp said in the press conference, he's he's obviously quite happy because it means that he can carry on working under the you know the assumptions that he's been presumably what money he's going to get in the summer and how much he's going to have to spend. He he, he knows that he can now crack on and and he'll know that it's there. On that point then, and taking it wider and sort of spoiler alert for the second half of the podcast when we talk about the return of the actual football action, in terms of top four hopes, we've kind of been writing them off now for a few weeks, Lynchy, but is it a case of looking at this now and talking ahead of the transfer window, that regardless of whether Liverpool are in the top four or not, as Doyley was saying there, actually Jurgen Klopp will be able to sort of plough ahead with whatever plans he sees fit for Liverpool this summer? Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I, I, I don't think, um, you know, personally, I think I've said this before on this podcast, I don't think FSG would have had a lot of excuses to not to not push on and really invest in the squad in the summer. And I'm not talking huge amounts again, not talking about bringing in someone like Haaland or anything like that, but just having a very similar summer to last year, really, is plugging the odd gap and, and being sort of quite clever about it. And, and maybe hope they'd hope he's moving on a couple as well who, who didn't move on last summer so they, they did hope they could just have a normal summer like that and I think I think it just at least gives them the comfort that they can do that now and, and you know it's not completely dependent on making sure you get rid of Origi or making sure you move Shakiri on or you you know you're doing late loan deals in the way that they were for maybe Marco Gruic and, and Harvey Elliott a couple of players who the you know the last minute for example Elliott only gets moved out because they can't sell Shakiri and then obviously Gruic they're desperately searching for a low move for him on, on deadline day. So I think, you know, the idea that it's, they're not going to be sort of dependent on doing things like that this time around and that, that the money is there for, for Jurgen Klopp to spend and, and get his players in early in the window because we know that's something he likes to do as well is get them a, a good pre-season. So if the, if the cash is guaranteed and they know that there's some sort of comfort blanket there in the form of this investment, then that, that can only really be a good thing for the uh, the football side of things. And you know, Champions League, like you say, is is very much up in the air. So any sort of degree of certainty you can bring in in sport is, uh, you know, very very appealing to owners. Seems to be really timely as well, Ian. In terms of 
looking at contracts and even at sort of the current squad, it, it only sort of two years left to go on a number of the, the big hitters contracts for 2023. And now actually having this kind of investment, if it's not going to be spent on massive transfer fees in the summer, actually, it is still going to cost Liverpool, isn't it, to renew contracts? Because I'm sure an awful lot of those players will want bumper new contracts. They're not just going to want to be staying on the same terms that they agreed when they initially signed. Well, that's true. But then you look at players like Wayne Allen, it's whether or not Will this have any impact on what Liverpool offer him? I don't know. You know, perhaps they've they've got a, a way that they see things, looking at his age, and go, well, we're actually not going over this particular this particular amount. You just threw me then, by the way. If I call me Ian, no one ever calls me Ian. <laughs> um, <laughs> not even me dad. He calls me by my brother's name. Um, so, so, so yeah, the um, yeah, I, I, you're right, but. I think you can, you've got. I think people have to remember that Liverpool did spend. If you look at the actual overall transfer fee, more than sixty million pounds on new players last last summer when they're in the middle of the pandemic. Obviously, with with Jota and Thiago, and I know that Jota they didn't put very much money up front, but they're going to. That's going to have to start getting paid, isn't it? And the money have to get start getting paid if it wasn't already to to buy Munich for Thiago and and that, the Simicast as well. So, I think, yeah, Liverpool. This is a this is a good move for them in terms of the contracts for players. I. I'm not sure that there's actually that many players who are up who would have their contract renewed over this this summer anyway. I'm not entirely sure. I think the only way that it would be possibly, and I know you're going to mention a, a certain Egyptian at me at, at some point, is that um, is whether or not they, they feel as though they need to do that to stop him from going elsewhere. Well, yeah, obviously <clears throat> referring there to, to to Salah, isn't it? Salah, Mane, Fabinho, Allison, are they? all not got these contracts now with similar sort of end dates on that Liverpool are going to have to address. And it it is, I suppose, David, going to become sort of more and more of a, an elephant in the room. Liverpool back in action against Arsenal. And just look at how they've been run as a club for sort of 10 years. Every summer, it seems to be a contract fiasco there. Well, that's it. This is the summer, really, isn't it, where you want to get a lot of those sorted so you don't end up in a similar situation to Arsenal because I think once you go past that two-year mark, it gets really dodgy then, doesn't it, in terms of if a player wants to force their way out, it becomes easier and easier the more you you get towards that final year. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's been a lot of positive noises coming out about Fabinho and Alisson. I think those are real priorities to get sorted this summer and you get the sense from the players themselves that they will be quite happy to tie themselves down to, to playing under Jurgen Klopp for a few more years. But the Salah one's obviously very interesting, isn't it? They're going to, you know, they're possibly in a position already this summer where, is it, you know, they have to make a decision, really. You know, you either either sign him up or try and force him to, to get him, convince him to sign him up um, this summer or, or really start considering selling him. So, you know, it's, it's a tough one. It, it, Again, you know, we know that the way FSG run this club as well, whether you're thinking about Salah's value and his age and, and the fact that this is probably the maximum amount they would be able to get from him in the transfer market. How has that been affected by COVID as well? We don't really know that. So it's, yeah, it's it's a really, really difficult one this summer in terms of the contracts. I, I think the Alisson and Fabinho ones, just with the noises coming out of the club, you expect them to get wrapped up pretty easily. But the... Um, yeah, the Salah one is is really, really interesting going into this summer. I think the way that plays out will tell you a lot about what this team is going to look like in a few years. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Is this summer, Doyle, going to be the biggest summer since 2018 then maybe for Liverpool in terms of what needs to be done? Not in terms of what maybe we are expecting right now, but in terms of what does need to be done. Is this going to be maybe as big as, as that summer? Well, since 2018... 
Yeah. Since 2018. Well, there's only been two, hasn't there? And one of the seasons, they just didn't do anything. So <laughs> yeah. by, that, by that definition, then I would imagine it would be. I don't actually think that they need to do that much. I'll be no. perfectly honest. I don't think there's going to be loads. I mean, you can go through it and go. The interesting thing for me about people are saying, like, if they don't get into the Champions League, what, what's that going to mean in terms of attracting players? Well, I actually think the other way around. If they don't get into Europe, there'll be quite a lot of players will go, well, we're never going to play here. Because there's no European football, there's just Premier League and the domestic cups. We'd quite like to go, and, and it's the usual suspects. You look at, you know, Shakiri and Origi, people like that. But then you could even go down to someone like, say, for example, Oxlade Chamberlain or even Cater. You know, they're just people who may ultimately go. Well, I've not played that much for whatever reason over the past two years, and and I quite fancy something different. If we're not in Europe, how am I going to get me games? So. That's how I think possibly European football and the non-qualification for it would, would impact Liverpool. Obviously, there'll be one or two players who, who might go, well, we don't really want to join because we're not in the Champions League. Well, it's like, well, as Klopp himself has said, well, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. We don't want you here. And this isn't the Liverpool that the, the Liverpool that didn't get, you know, didn't get into the Champions League in 2016 when they lost the Europa League final. This is Liverpool that won the Premier League last year and got to two Champions League finals are still in the Champions League this year. So we know the reasons why this season has been like it is. So in that respect, I think there will be some new signers, but I don't think there'll be absolutely loads. And there certainly won't be, as we've, you know, we've just said before, there won't be any like Haaland for 120, 130 million. And even if they do, you know, somebody goes for big money, say Salah goes, do you really think they're going to spend all that money on a replacement? I don't think then that leaves the thing of what's better value to them, keeping Salah there for another two years, letting him run his contract down, or or think about, well, perhaps we can offer him a new, another one further down the line and see what he thinks, or or having to spend that money, because it would be more difficult to spend it than it would be to get it in. Well, it's, it's an interesting one, Guy, just on that point, is that you know we talked about the certainty that, that this investment brings and, and the idea that, you know, even if there's a shortfall in financial terms because of a lack of European football, that you know Liverpool can consider that they're well covered for that. But it, it's the effect it has, I suppose, on the, the composition of the squad, whether they're in Europe or not. You know, do you really need, say, if, if Liverpool go into next season not playing European football, this extra forward that people are talking about them signing to sort of start that succession planning towards maybe Firmino being moved out of that front three, or or maybe you, you move on salary in a couple of years. Um, you know. Can can you really start that if you if you've not got European football? I just don't think there's enough fixtures there to do it. Particularly if you want, say, Harvey Elliott to pick pick up some minutes and and things like that. So it's it's it, that's probably the trickiest situation that Liverpool are going to face going into this summer, and and that's a situation that won't be resolved until the season comes to a close. Is is whether or not they're they're playing any European football at all, and and how many fixtures that gives them going into next season? Because I I think that more than maybe what European competition they're playing in will probably have an effect on who they can and can't sign. But it's one of those as well, I suppose, of it's a case of fine-tuning, isn't it? Look at Diogo Jota, a £45 million signing, who's really had a new lease of life at Liverpool and helped take the forward line in a different direction. Dolly, you're probably who I'm framing this, this at in terms of Liverpool, if they are going to go and spend money in the, the transfer market and bring in, say, two or three players just to enhance the squad, there's nothing really from through the past that you're going to look at and go, well, all of a sudden they are going to go and make a huge investment because it's not like the defence prior to Virgil van Dijk. It isn't screaming out for a world-class investment, is it? Well, that's it. I mean, what, what area of Liverpool's team really needs overhauling? And the answer is none, really. I mean, 
you might say a centre-back simply because you can't, as we've said before numerous times, you can't guarantee that all three of those who are injured at the moment, Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip, are all going to come back as good as new. It's just probably not going to happen. And so that's why we had the stories this week um, about Canality. Um, I think in terms of the forward, that's an interesting point that Lynchy makes because if they're not there, then if they're not playing that many games, then perhaps they don't need to to, to change as much. Because we've forgotten Minamino as well. They signed him, didn't they, like 15 months ago? And you do wonder whether or not it ends up being that Jot is Minamino's replacement. I do think for probably because he plays in the two positions that, that Minamino, likes to, Minamino likes to play. But Again, look at it from the point of view of the player coming in. It's the old Firmino problem that the Liverpool have had for quite a few years. Anybody like that's why Timo Werner possibly jumped at the chance of going to Chelsea when he when they came in for him in last summer because he, he knew that he was going to be getting a game there. And you know, well, we can't. No one could have predicted it would end up quite as difficult for him as possible. I think he would have probably done a bit better at Liverpool, but would he? He probably would have played the games as well. That's the thing. Mm. But you, know, you can't predict it. Uh, but then, would Liverpool have signed Jota? No. So that's the thing. So I think Liverpool, yes, as we've said, they will make some changes to the squad. Again, as Lynchy says, how much of that, it, how much change they have to make will come down to where they end up finishing in the Premier League or, or qualifying for the Champions League from, from winning it. Um, but, you know, as, as, as has come out this week, Liverpool have got, you can see Liverpool have got these options, you know, that we talk about the centre-back but there'll be other positions where they'll have players lined up and then they'll go through and see at the end of the season which ones are, are most likely to come and want to come. Yeah, interesting stuff to keep an eye on. Let's then move on and talk about the return of action then. Of course, tomorrow, Liverpool travelling to Arsenal to get back into to Premier League action. Of course, sitting seventh at the moment, which would be enough to secure European qualification into the Europa League for next season, Lynchy. But nine games to go, five points off Chelsea. Top four hopes, still alive or or not? I, I, when you look at it and it's five points and you think that Chelsea are probably going to stumble at some point, aren't they? I don't think they'll just keep beating sides in the way that they have been recently, you know. They're not. They're not suddenly a side of maybe Manchester City's quality, um, just because they've got a new manager and there's still flaws in that side. You know, some of those summer signings still haven't taken. Not just Werner, but also Havertz not really having much of an impact. Um, Ziyech is, is is in and out in terms of his influence. So, you know, they're, they're not a perfect side, and I think they could stumble at some point. The, the the thing that Liverpool, the issue for Liverpool is obviously they haven't looked capable this season of just reeling off a six, seven game winning streak, have they? And that, that's the issue you, you can see with them maybe crawling, creeping into that top four and, and, and the fact that they've got other sides ahead of them as well. You know, West Ham have done well, Tottenham has sort of recovered their form recently. So it's they're just relying on maybe too many things to go in their favour for them to, to sneak into that top four. But, you know, Jürgen Klopp and his players will be seeing it in the way that he sort of spoke about today in his press conferences that, you know, we can only win our next game and sort of and, and keep doing that to the end of the season and, and see where we end up. So, I think for Liverpool, you know, the best they can do in the next couple of days is is beat Arsenal and, and and see that as a start towards getting top four. So, that's it. You've just got to go into these games and and, and try and win as many as they can, starting with that one at the weekend. What is it? Nineteen days since the the Wolves game, I think it is, Dolly. When obviously Liverpool do take on at Arsenal, they've had this break then and chance maybe to get on the training ground with the certainly the Brazilian contingent who didn't go away during the international break. And now I suppose it's it's about trying to just do as best as they can in the league, as well as maybe using this Arsenal game even as a bit of a, a warm up for the uh, 
away game with Real Madrid, the first leg of the uh, quarterfinal of the Champions League? I mean, as much as I, I like winding up about Arsenal, I'd never say going to Arsenal is a warm-up game for anything, to be honest. it's it's. I think Liverpool have, have, Liverpool have won only two of the last 14 games there. And Arsenal have already beaten Liverpool well. Did they really beat them? It's on penalties. Um, so they've, already, they've drawn with oh, them cats. twice. They've, <laughs> they've drawn with them twice. Um, but, of course, Arsenal beat Arsenal won at the Emirates last season 2-1. And it was it was that game, wasn't it? I remember I was there that Liverpool absolutely battered them, went ahead. And then kind of it was two stupid mistakes. Arsenal ended up going ahead and then putting everybody back and, and playing out and getting a 2-1 win. And Arteta, after the game, said, you know, we're, we're absolutely nowhere near their level. And yet you look at the table this season and they're not that far behind in terms of points because of the way that the season's gone. So I think Arsenal drew three all last time, didn't they? With West Ham, didn't yeah, they? With yeah. West Ham, I think, yeah. I think yeah. It's only Ar- a four-point gap as well. So, I, well, know, I was going to say, I was going to say, if they'd have won that, I think Arsenal would have quite fancied the chances of like finishing ahead of Liverpool. I think it's possibly a little bit too much for them now. But you know, Liverpool have got that big Champions League game coming up on Tuesday in, uh, in Madrid against Real Madrid. So... I'd expect there to be some changes, but I think Liverpool. I think Liverpool have to win seven of the last nine games to have any chance of finishing the top four. And bearing in mind how many games they won this season, about something like thirteen, is it or something like that? It's not. It's not loads, is it? In terms of the Premier League, certainly compared to the last couple of years. So it's a big ask. But as Lynchy said, as as, as Jurgen Klopp said, he's obviously been listening to what Lynchy says. As he's going to do <laughs> do, do, uh, do one game one game at a time, and it, it's. It's a little bit like, I don't know, thinking of the last time I can remember Liverpool just having to take one game at a time, like this was probably 2001 where they had like tons and tons of games. And it was like, you just couldn't see past the next game. It's been a little bit different the last couple of years because they've known that the team have been capable of winning these games. But now they literally just have to go literally one game at a time and go, right, let's deal with this one. Okay, Lana, let's go on to the next one, which sounds obvious. But that's the only way they're going to have any chance of doing anything between now and the end of the season. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? When you you kind of point you made before, Lynch, about Chelsea, they've been unbeaten so far under Tuchel, but you just wonder, I suppose, and that is that is the thing for Liverpool, isn't it? Just keep the pressure up, and if they have a wobble, just see if you can you can then take advantage. Yeah, I think Chelsea's issue that that might sort of come back to bite them at some point is the fact that they attacking wise just haven't convinced really under under Tuchel yet. I think you know defensively really sorted them out. They're quite a difficult side to play against, but. You know, if those goals dry up and they, they've come close to, to sort of suffering from that in a few games, if those goals really do dry up and, they, you know, then results can slightly turn. And if they get on a bit of a bad run, it's, you know, it becomes difficult again for them. So they, they, they're not completely out of sight. And I think, you know, like we said, Liverpool can only just keep that pressure on them and, and sort of keep as close as possible. And then, you know, just see what happens to Chelsea every weekend. And I, I think there is scope for, for it to to be quite close, you know, whether Liverpool are the ones who take advantage of that, you know, we'll have to see. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting running for that top four race. I think it's, um, you know, it might just, might be beyond Liverpool maybe, but some of the other sides will really, really think that they've got a chance. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's the big selection question. I know we'll, we'll get onto our team selector and things at the end, Doily, but is the, the big sort of selection decision in this game, Firmino or Jota? He's been playing in that central role, hasn't he, Jota? He scored at Wolves an eternity ago before this break for Liverpool. But Roberto Firmino's got a brilliant record against Arsenal and away from home as well. He sort of seems to fancy it more. I think it's a selection decision. I don't think it's the big one. I think there's bigger ones. Like who who on earth is going to play in midfield? They've got 
we've, we've mentioned a few times on the podcast recently, the sudden, real, so the sudden realisation is that Liverpool have now got millions of midfielders. They've got loads of them. Uh, you know, even that's even without Henderson playing and with Fabinho back in central midfield. So that's the thing, because they got so used to over the course of this season that being without at least one of those two, possibly both of them for, for, for large stretches of time, is that they've built these different combinations playing in midfield. And I think whoever plays in midfield for the remainder of the season, it's, it may even just change game to game. It's always been like that with under Jurgen Klopp. It's always been, that's the position where he's gone kind of horses for courses. He's like the front three. He likes to settle defence. You know, he obviously tries to stick with the same goalkeeper, but I think the midfield will be the decision. And I think that's going to be the decision for the for the remainder of the season, depending on, on, on the way that the season's going. Is this going to be one of those games then? And I suppose actually as, as the season goes on, we'll, we'll probably be saying it ahead of Real Madrid that Liverpool will really miss someone like Jordan Henderson, Lynchy in that midfield, the leader, the guy who barks out the orders and really does get the team revving. Because as much as... I suppose we look at the break and say, well, that will have done Liverpool some good to have finally had a bit of, whether it be a mental break or whether it be a physical break, to then go again. Quite often they, they do take a little bit of time to warm up, but with no Henderson in the team, it feels as though that could be a big miss. Yeah, I mean, it's not entirely certain, is it, that if he was back for any of these games that he would even be in, in that central midfield because of the number of options they've got there and they're still obviously struggling at the back and. And you still get the sense that you know Jurgen Klopp would quite like to get Nat Phillips out of there, even though he's done quite well for me recently. It's he just seems to not want to. You know, well, every, every chance he's had this season to not play him, he's, he's taken it. So I think. Do you reckon, do reckon part of, do reckon part of that's due to the fact that he knows he's probably not. He doesn't want him to. Not doesn't want him, but he's planning for life without him next season. Because let's face it, he could. He he, he basically left in October, didn't he? Or he more or less left. Yeah, there were, there were, um, I saw there was interesting quotes from Theo's exclusive, Theo Swire's exclusive with him that was from, was it from last year about basically yeah. Philip saying that, that the manager basically told me he didn't fancy me at all um, and I had no chance of playing under him. And so, you know, you've got to view every sort of minute he's got since that conversation he had through that prism, really, of the idea that, you know, the, the manager really, really doesn't want to play him if he can get away with it. And I, you know, I, he's pleased for him in the way that we all are, and I think he's done fantastically well. But I think if Henderson was back, I think he would be, obviously, in, in central in central defence. So I think it's, you know, as much as maybe you say about his, his leadership skills in midfield, I think it, he would be that presence still at the back, wouldn't he? And it is that ability to go again and, and find moments in games where you're finding things tough to, to really find that extra press in your legs and things like that. That's where they miss Henderson. And I think, like you say, a big week like this where you've got Arsenal and then and then Real Madrid straight off the back of it, so you know, sorely missing those leadership skills, aren't you, in, in games like that? He always sort of puts in a big performance as well, no matter where he is on the pitch. So... Yeah, it's, it's a shame not to have him, but you know Liverpool are just going to have to get used to that, aren't they? Because you know, by the sounds of things from Jurgen Klopp's point of view, it's you know Henderson doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. So as much as they miss him, they're going to have to cope without him. And, and, and you know, you, you hope that they can produce enough good enough good enough performances between now and the end of the season in these big games to to make it a successful finish. Yeah, on Phillips as well. He 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 seems to be endearing himself to Jurgen Klopp week after week. Of course, he's won the club's Player of the Month award for for March. And do you think, Doyle, that Jurgen Klopp sees a bit of himself in that Phillips almost? In terms of his playing career. I don't know. Is this your answer there? I don't know. No, I just think he, he always speaks so affectionately in terms of about him. Like he, he was asked about obviously him being the, the player of the month today, and he 
he just sort of had a big grin on his face and he's so pleased for him. But as Lynch, he says, he, he probably doesn't really feel at this level. He's probably got the uh, the wherewithal to actually stay around yeah. and be a player for Liverpool for years and years to come. Even even when he did well in the second leg against Leipzig, I think Klopp's quote was something like, "He'll now he'll always be able to say he played for Liverpool yeah. in the Champions League. It's like, hang on, they've just yeah, got yeah. through. He's got through. I think he'll be playing in the next game. So, you know, I... It's hardly a surprise, really, is it? Let's be honest. There was no Premier League clubs who were coming in for Phillips last season, worthy last year, I should say. And even if he doesn't play another game, well, I mean, I, he's going to be playing on Saturday. And he, I mean, he's he's playing against Real Madrid. Madrid. Well, I've said this. I've said yeah. this. Yeah, I've said this. So, but even if he doesn't play another game for Liverpool from this moment on, his stock has gone so high that there'll be loads of clubs coming in for him. And I also think that. One thing that he offers Liverpool's defence that since Van Dijk's been injured is that kind of aerial prowess. You know, he's, he's, he's very good in the air and, you know, whether we like it or not, an awful lot of certainly the attacking plays is played up in the air and you need people who can head it. Certainly it's set pieces, you know, corners, that kind of thing. And he's a defender, isn't he? As opposed to somebody who can, you know, come out and, and play the ball and do this, that and the other. That's, put, that's quite clearly his weakness. And, you know, Klopp said that when he played against... Was it West Ham for his Premier League debut back in October? I think it was. He said he knows his limitations. And if you've got a player who doesn't try anything that he knows he can't do, but he's very good at the things that he does do, and they happen to be things that the team actually needs right then, then why on earth wouldn't you play him? It's not, you know The reason Klopp likes him so much at the moment is probably twofold. One, he seems like a nice a nice bloke. And the second thing is that he's, they're actually winning games and keeping clean sheets with him playing. And you know along with Kabak, they formed that kind of partnership, haven't they? I mean, who knew having two actual centre backs playing at centre back and suddenly they've, what is it, four? They've only conceded one goal in four games and that was a penalty, wasn't it, against Everton? So I think they'll be they'll be given a bit of a tough test um, the next couple of games, whether it's Obama, Yang, Lacazette or, or, or Benzema. It's going to be something completely different to what they've, they've had already. So, I mean, that, that sense we'll learn a bit more about them, but I don't think it's going to make any difference for, for Nat Phillips. Do you think? Do you think he's going to be tempted to to? Sorry, Sky. I'm just I'm just taking over. No, it's, here, no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see what you guys think about this. Do you think he'd be tempted for for any of the games if you know if this Champions League run continues or any of the games against Real Madrid? Would he be tempted to put Fabinho back in at centre half because he's got these options now in central midfield that we spoke about? And I, and I know it's worked so well putting him back in there, but just as a manager, do you think he'll just think? Just having that quality at centre half would be nice. You know, it's it's interesting. I think not. Oh, guy, you just went then. I think that was Kai flying around thinking, yeah, he's not needed now. Get rid of him. Um, yeah, I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You just, you've just seen in the few games that Fabinho's played, Fabinho's played in centre midfield, the difference he makes, not only in terms of the actual midfield in helping. You saw how good Thiago was against Leipzig. So when mm. Aldemar uh, did, did better. But he offers greater protection to the centre-backs. So ideally, you'd want Fabinho in front of Fabinho if you're going to do that. But he can't be <laughs> two players in one, can he? So, you know, stick with the centre-backs. You know how to defend and just get the ball to the midfielders because obviously they're all ball player midfielders. They all know what they can do or get it out wide to the fullbacks. That's why they're there. Let them do their thing. Just get the defenders to defend. And that's why Liverpool, I think, will stick with those two and, you know, bar an injury or something strange happens in the league where they can't get anywhere near it and they've got through in the Champions League. I think they'll they'll stick with those two for the rest of the season, Kabak and Phillips, that is. 
what what do you think in terms of this game then, Lynch? In terms of how it might play out, and there's been this obviously feeling recently with Liverpool playing a few of the the bottom sides in the division that they've come in sat deep, and Liverpool have struggled to break them down. But if they play a side who might try and open up, which Arsenal certainly at the Emirates have been doing a lot more recently in their sort of bid to find goals because they struggled for those early part of the season. Do you think this again is going to play into their hands? Because and and are they going to be capable of getting back to the levels of intensity they showed at the start of the season? Because when they met at Anfield, Arsenal came out with the right intentions and right ideas to play, but Liverpool were just too intense for them and blew them away, winning very comfortably, didn't they? It's, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it, to see whether Arteta approaches it in that way. It's like you say, they, they needed more goals and it maybe opened up a bit more. And I think Odegaard's had a really positive impact on their sort of attacking play since he came in. Um, but, you know, will he sort of revert to type in a sense of, you know, coming up against Liverpool? I know they haven't fared that well this season, but he'll think, OK, they'll want to dominate possession. They'll come here and have a lot of it. So do we sit in and, it, you know, it, it's a it's a tactic that's worked well for him against Liverpool in recent history, isn't it? It's, you know, the, the, not just a win at the back end of last season, but also in the Community Shield. Liverpool had a lot of the ball there and struggled to do anything with it. So you, you just think Arteta will probably be tempted to go down that route, which for Liverpool, obviously... You know, a lot of their struggles have been at home this season. You know, they're still on a horrible losing run at Anfield. But to have a sort of similar test to that away from home, a team that's maybe going to sit in and, and try and frustrate them, that actually might be a good thing for them to, if they can pass it and they can do well um, and, and get some goals despite coming up against a mass defence, then, you know, it might give them some confidence to take back to Anfield for the rest of the season and, and feel like they can they can unlock teams again. Which so. It's an interesting one. It'd be interesting just to see how Arsenal approach it and whether if, if it is that sort of defensive mindset and Arteta feels he has to go down that route, that whether Liverpool can can take anything from it in terms of confidence. Yeah, personally, I, I think Arsenal will probably come out and play. Uh, then so, sort of stepped away from the back three thing for the second half of this season and certainly against Tottenham recently at the Emirates did play with the back four, but now expect a, a back three, given I've, I've said <laughs> that. But we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get on then to our, our team selection as we begin to wrap things up then. Uh, Alison Becker in goal, I'll, I'll call that one. Uh, Doyley, you can uh, you can lead us on the defence. Well, you can kind of base the, the, the team selection largely on who stayed. At, uh, and at least said Melwood then. They can stay at Melwood, but they're knocking on people's houses. Um, at Kirby, yeah. So I think I'll be going Trent, the former England international. Um I know, I know. We've 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 done podcasts since then, but really, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like as if England haven't got enough world class players. They can just go. You know what? We don't need one of our very few world class players. It's uh, it, it's it's well. I mean, you could argue they won the three games, didn't they? Against me, mighty San Marino. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. San Marino can be difficult in those first. I thought I saw myself playing out there. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> England have had trouble with San Marino in the past. Um, yeah, what was the question? Oh, yeah, Alexander Arnold <laughs> at right back, uh, Phillips and and Kabak at centre back, and I'm going with Simakas at left back, right? Okay, what do you make of that, Lynchy? Yeah, interesting. Is he is he definitely, yeah, he's, he's definitely fit. He plays, he, he, played for, he made some sub appearances for Greece in the uh, in the World Cup qualifiers. He certainly yeah. made one, let's put it that way. Yeah, he got subbed off though, didn't he? Did he have cramp or something? I think. Oh, um, I, at least, at least it means Scotland's best left back will still be on the pitch, eh? 
I think I think he'll Simicast really struggling to get a look in at the moment, so I, I think he will go with Robertson. To be honest, I think um, if if not nothing else, but to to prove Guy wrong and hope for a strong Robertson performance <laughs> at left back, then yeah, I think I'll go for Robertson there, and then obviously the rest of the the back four, I, I would agree with Doyley. Yeah, with no Theo Squires on the pod, I thought I'd, I'd come out with a ridiculous shout so I can get the fan mail sent That's terrible. You can't say that. He's not here to defend himself. Yeah, he will, be, he, he will be soon enough and he'll be he'll be back with some big some big calls. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Lynchy, what about, what about the midfield? Um, um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, he said Lynchy, that's my name. I was too busy laughing at the Theo comment. <laughs> um, yeah, in midfield, I think... Yeah, what we were talking about with Fabinho, I think he's going to struggle to to pull him out of that midfield. And he'll think, obviously, he's not been on international duty this week, so should be able to do the two games back-to-back, no problem. So I think Wijnaldum's, obviously, Wijnaldum's another one. Seems to start every game, doesn't he? So can't see beyond him. And then I think Thiago as well. I think he I think he wants to maybe get that that unit together and, and play as much football together as possible to to you know give him some rhythm going into... The game against Real Madrid, he, you know, he might look to maybe make some substitutions early with one one eye on that game. But I think he'll he'll want another start maybe for that unit just to, you know, give him a test against a, a strong Arsenal side and and hopefully that can sort of tee them up to play well against Real Madrid. Thiago v Granite Xhaka, that'll be an exhibition of tackling, won't it? But we'll have to <laughs> see how that one plays out. Doyle, what about the forward line then? Oh, well, hang on. What about the midfield? Okay, what about your midfield then? Okay, yeah, yeah. my midfield. Oh, yeah. Wacky, wacky midfield. Let's go. Oh yeah, that, that that wacky midfield with the old. Wait until you hear these names of these players who've played hundreds of games. Soon as. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steve McMahon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right, uh, Fabinho. Yeah, because uh, as I say, all the players, most of the, I'm going to come, almost all of the players who who stayed at Mel, uh, do it again, who stayed at Kirby, then they'll be they'll be involved. Which means I'm going to go with James Milner and Naby Keita in midfield. Right. I think Keita probably deserves a start, and I think Milner has been not underused, but he, he's he's ripe for 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 playing a game, and he, and he does quite like playing at the Emirates actually. Yeah, I, I, I was going to suggest with that whether... shout on Cater. That's yeah, it's a, just because, like I said, Van Adam's played so much football. It's it's almost ludicrous, isn't it? So, Cater dropping in is a is a really good shout, actually. Yeah, I was going to suggest whether Cater might play in the Bernabeu, but I suppose we'll we'll have to wait and wait and see how it plays out. Uh, Doyle, come back to you. Then you can uh, you can tell us what the forward three is going to be. Now, it's Firmino's definitely going to play up front. That's what I think, anyway. Uh, down the middle. Um, I think Jota will play on the left. Now it's who I play on the right. It's either going to be Salah or Mane, and I think you'll have to play Salah. You'll have to play Salah. So Salah on the right, Jota on the left, and Firmino down the middle. Right. Okay. Well, Firmino's got a great record against Arsenal, hasn't he? I thought you were going to pick Mane, then cutting him from the right at the Emirates and smashing one into the top. Five years ago now. Five years ago now. Stop living on past glories. As an Arsenal fan, you'd be used to it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Lindsay, what about your thoughts? the Liverpool report, just the 30 years (laughs) in between winning the Leeds. We're halfway there. It's a tough one, isn't it, up front? Because I think. You know, will he want to capitalise on the fact that Jota's in form, but then with you know, in that same breath, will he want to sort of save him for Real Madrid? Um, I think it's a really, really tough one. Um, 
I think maybe maybe he'll go with with Jota, Mane, Salah, just thinking that Firmino is so so integral as a big game player in 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 his mind, and I think Real Madrid just with them wanting to keep their centre halves occupied and, and busy and keep them honest, he'll maybe want to start Firmino in that one. So. I think maybe the the other front three maybe starts this one, and then he's got a really tough decision about who keeps the place alongside Firmino against Real Madrid. It's a it's a difficult one. I, I'm glad I don't have to pick the team. No, uh, David, I'll come back to you then for match prediction. What's the score going to be? Uh, I'm going to say I think it's going to be. I, I think I think Arsenal are going to make it difficult for them. But I'm, I'm going to say one all. One apiece, right, Doyle yourself. I mean, it's a long way to to Arsenal from my house, is what I'm thinking right now. So um, <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> well, I was there. But, yeah, uh, right. I agree. Arsenal will make it very difficult. I think it all depends on how Arsenal approach the game. I know you've mentioned it before. And I think they might go defensive again. You know, but mm. the only thing on top of that is because Arsenal are kind of out of the certainly out of the running for the top four after the mm. game against West Ham. And they're still in Europe, and they've got a game. It's, it's not till Thursday, Slav- is it? Slavia, Slavia, Prague, Slavia yeah. Prague, yeah. Um, I th- I've got a feeling they might actually just, as, as Guy said, who, who knows a bit or two about Arsenal. I think I think they might go for it, and I think that might help Liverpool. So I'm going to go for two one to Liverpool. Right. Okay. We'll have to wait and see how it ha- see how it plays out. We'll be, we will be back with the. <laughs> Blubber podcast on Monday. If you want to know my prediction, you'll have to tune into the uh, Behind Enemy Lines podcast that's coming on the Blood Red feed on Saturday. Are you interviewing yourself? I'm not interviewing myself. No, no, no. Kai has stepped into the reach and uh, (laughs) I've given the lowdown on Arsenal. So, uh, yeah, if you're joining us on YouTube, head over to uh, our podcast feed, the Blood Red podcast feed, wherever it is you get your audio on demand and give that a listen. That'll be with you from uh, Saturday morning but from us here on the Blood Red Podcast that's all we've got time for now my thanks to David Lynch and to Ian Doyle and to you for joining us thank you you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo